630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton Oil Kings just facing off against Saskatoon at Rogers Place in the NHL after two periods. Devils and Flyers tied 2-2. In the third, the Islanders lead Tampa Bay 2-1. Capitals up 5-1 on the Sabres. Late second period, it's Carolina 5, Detroit 2. Start of the second period, Blue Jackets and Blues are tied 1-1. Stars and Avalanche get underway in a few minutes later. Sharks home to the Jets, and the Canucks are at the Ducks. Vancouver doing very well this season. They are 8-3-1. CFL tonight, Montreal 25, Ottawa 18. Three and a half minutes left in the third quarter. Also tomorrow, we have the, the doubleheader here on 630 Chet. Uh, Oilers first, then Eskimos. 11-2 and two are the starts of those games. The Golden Bears football team will play the Canada West semifinal in Saskatchewan, 3 o'clock, Golden Bears 4-4, four and four, third in Canada West, taking on the second-place Huskies. They split their two uh, regular season games against the Huskies. The home team uh, won each time, including Saskatchewan last weekend, to get home field for this game. So uh, I'll be keeping an eye on that one as well. Uh, the Oilers' Leon Dreisaitl leads the NHL in scoring. He was named the league's third star of the month for October. The Oilers have a two-on-one the other way. Drysaddle to Cassie. It in over the line. Back to Drysaddle. Shoots and scores. Four. Nothing Edmonton. Now, why would we play some Jack Michaels play-by-play? Well, because he's our next guest. Jack, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Always a pleasure, Reid. Thanks for having me on. And as you know, uh, you could take the boy out of Western Pennsylvania, but you can't quite take Western Pennsylvania out of me. So uh, once a year, it's good to get back. And it seems for whatever reason that we spend most of our off days in Pittsburgh. It's uncanny. I'd say in the 10 years I've been doing this gig, we've probably been in Pittsburgh for at least 30 days, which is uh, fine by me. I don't know about my, our partner and our car league there. No, I, I grew up in Evansburg, which is about an hour drive west of Edmonton. So when we went to the city, we, we went to Edmonton. If we wanted to go to the malls or do a little bigger grocery shopping, my mom has a lot of family here. Like, was me, was that the relationship between Pittsburgh and where you grew up in Meadville? Like, if you went into the city Absolutely. or... Okay. Absolutely, 100%. And you know what? This city has come a long way. Uh, Pittsburgh had to reinvent itself a little bit when the steel mills closed down in the 1970s and, and the city was a bit of a concrete jungle in the 80s and and uh, not probably the most appropriate place for a kid to be running around, but it really has kind of reinvented itself and uh, the healthcare, pharmaceuticals, uh, and the insurance you know, businesses have all kind of brought their headquarters to Pittsburgh and it's really revitalized the city and there's some areas in and around the city that were previously run down that really blossomed so it's a nice little story of you know and and the addition of of new ballparks and new arenas that's also you know that is one of the you know along with what's been done in la live pittsburgh's a bit of a blueprint as well as far as uh what can be done with a revitalization with some new uh, ballparks downtown and it's it's really a thriving city and and it's got a unique uh, a unique entrance to it, Reed. You come through the four-pit tunnel out of the airport, and the city smacks you right in the face uh, when you come out of that tunnel. And it's a, a unique thing for those who travel with the hockey club. Uh, that's that's kind of the unique thing. And, and the other thing, Reed, you should know, to this day, our colleague Rob Brown remains a legend in and around the city of Pittsburgh. He is still 
a wildly popular individual. Well, that's true. That's true, as he should be, given how he played while he was he was a Penguin. One of my favorite pieces of trivia about the old rink in Pittsburgh, the Igloo, as a lot of people call it. I, I know it had, I think it was the Civic Arena before it got sponsorships. It had a retractable roof, right? I, I don't know if it ever actually opened, but but that was that's one of my favorite pieces of trivia is that the Penguins had a hockey rink with a retractable roof. Yes, that is theoretically what it was supposed to do. I don't know whether it actually, whether the hydraulics or anything were actually put in there to do it, but that was the rumor is that theoretically it did have a retractable roof, although no one, as far as I know, ever saw it fully retracted. So I'm wondering whether they even completed that phase of the project. <laughs> All right. Well, it is not theoretical that we have a game tomorrow. It's on the schedule. It's going to happen. The Oilers and the Penguins, it'll be an 11 a.m. face-off here on 6.30. Chad, the face-off show is at 9.30. Always fun when uh, when these two teams meet because you have a lot of star power in the game. Uh, but the Oilers practice today. Of course, Riley Shane was banged up the other night. Give us a, a sense of Shane's health, Jack, and uh, also what you expect from the lineup tomorrow. I think Shane's ready to go, and as a result, I think you're going to see the exact same lineup addressed uh, against Columbus, with Yurcho being the odd man out, Mike Smith, your starter in net. Uh, same defense. Obviously, the Oilers made a move today, getting a little additional depth at center with the recall of Colby Cave, and William Lagason needed to start playing some games. And what happened was is Lagason was in the wings in case Brandon Manning could have cut it. And what Dave Tippett found is what he suspected all along in the preseason is that you know when it came time to play nhl games brandon manning could give him a, an adequate performance and he did i mean he he was an even player and scored a goal and and by all accounts you know i don't think looked out of place i don't think i don't think manning accounted for the club's one three and one slot i don't think he was a a principal factor in the win over columbus either but he, he did just fine uh joel Pearson though back there strengthens not only the second pairing in terms of taking Chris Russell off his offside, but then uh, I, I think gives Edmonton a unique third pair read. I, I mean, you can look around and, and, and you and I should bang out some research when I'm back in town, but you know, how many third pairs in the national hockey league have 1200, you know, have 1100 games of experience in, in, in Chris Russell and Matt Benning, the Oilers, you know, deservedly so to some degree, uh, you know, are, are trying to find some depth, uh, amongst the four positions, and, and they've received their fair share of criticism. But also, I think if you look around the league, having you know a thousand plus games of NHL experience in your third pair is is quite frankly uh, not a luxury many teams have. So you strengthen two pairs with the return of Pearson and, and Mike Smith ready to go. The eleven, you know, the eleven o'clock Edmonton time start is intriguing because. As we've talked about it, Edmonton has had its share of, of problems in afternoon games. On the other hand, this is going to be the third afternoon game the Oilers play this season, and Pittsburgh hasn't played one yet. So, you know, that I think takes away some excuses there. I think Edmonton will be ready to go. If you're not ready to play this game, you're not ready to play in the NHL. They'll be fired up. They'll be ready to go. And I think Pittsburgh, with Geno Malkin kind of lobbying to get in the lineup, and he's lobbied successfully to get in the lineup, I think Pittsburgh appreciates the fact that it's a bit of a measuring stick uh, type of game for where they're at because this is finally going to be the first game that Jim Rutherford's team as assembled, as he constructed and reconfigured in the offseason with the you know with the trade of Ole Mott and the trade of Phil Kessel, 
He's now, for the first time, going to dress that lineup tomorrow. So it is a bit of a measuring stick for both hockey clubs. Jack Michaels joining us on Inside Sports, play-by-play voice for the Edmonton Oilers on 630 Chad in the Oilers Radio Network. Leon Dreisaitl, the third star of the month for October, which I guess I could be sarcastic and ask, geez, what do you have to do to be the first star? But Carlson and Pasternak were pretty good as well. But, man, uh, Rob and I talked about it after the Oilers' last game that, look, we're only one month into the season, and it's a team with Connor McDavid and some solid goaltending, but but Leon Dreisaitl so far... To me, Rob, is, is the Oilers' MVP. I, I know a listener texted into Inside Sports last night and said, hey, Reed, what I like about Dreisaitl is that he looks hungry. He, he went out last year and proved he can score 50 goals, and now he wants to look like he, he looks like he wants to prove he can do it again and, and take face-offs and kill penalties and do all those, all, some of the grunt work as well. Well, a couple things to follow up there, Reed, is number one, our colleague Rob Brown made a point in the post-game show that I listened to, uh, you know, uh, overtime open line after the win over the Capitals. He made a point that it first struck me, and then I realized, well, what's so crazy about that? He said the Oilers don't merely have the best offensive forward in the league. They have the two best offensive forwards in the league. And I kind of recoiled for a second. I'm like, he's right. I mean, and and if someone knows about being an offensive forward, I think Rob Brown is fairly qualified to speak on that. So that's number one. Leon deserves to be in that conversation. If they're not one and two as the best offensive forwards in the league, they're some some combination inside the top four. Defensively, I, I think it, it was telling for all those years in Edmonton and Reed having grown up there. You remember this, you know, when, when Glenn Sather uh, you know, played a guy five on three, you know, and, and it was Yari Curry a lot in that in that in that five on three situation, he was utilizing his best defensive forward. And and that was that was telling you whom he believed and entrusted with that particular responsibility. And Dave Tippett told a funny story at practice today. He said, you know, many people consider the Penguins team I played on the best team. And I, I've talked about my myth my mythical four team tournament where I've got the ninety three Penguins, the eighty six Oilers, the ninety six Wings and the seventy one Bruins all in the same tournament. Well, Tippett was on that 93 Penguins team, and it was five on three, and Pittsburgh was playing, and Scotty Bowman sent Mario over the boards, and, and Tippett was thinking to himself, hey, that's my job. Like, this is, this is what you brought me to Pittsburgh to do. And then he saw Mario play a shift five on three and realized that was that. I mean, and, and that's the point is, is great players can play in all situations. And ultimately, their head coach is going to want them to play in all situations because it's the guy that they trust the most. And I think Leon's fast becoming a guy you can trust in all offensive situations and all defensive situations. And when you start being talked about in that conversation, you start being talked about as one of the best players this game has to offer. Well said, Jack. Going to be fun hearing you call the game tomorrow and uh, an early one. So I, I guess you get to fly home and you'll be comfortably at home on Sunday to watch Cleveland take on Denver in the NFL, buddy. Well, you know what? I will be home for that, but I'll also have a uh, Bantam game at Terwilliger that I got to catch at 8 o'clock involving my son. So I got a lot of hockey ahead of me this weekend. As you can tell, I'm extremely wound up, and it's because we're almost at the quarter pole, and I'm eager to see what Edmonton's got. Uh, You've got two premier clubs right now at the top of their conferences playing exceptionally well. Pittsburgh scored seven goals in a single game already four times this year, which hadn't happened since Pittsburgh themselves did it 
back in 1992. That Again, that 92-93 team that Tippett was on. So I'm fired up, Reed. We should have a fantastic game tomorrow. Right on, Jack. Looking forward to hear you call it for sure. 9.30 face-off show game at 11. Oilers taking on the Penguins. And as Jack and I were doing that interview, we were talking about the old uh, igloo having a retractable roof. Somebody has texted in this tidbit, and this is a good one. Whoever wrote this in, you got to tell me where you got this. This is really good. Uh, it says, even though it was designed and engineered as a retractable roof dome, the operating cost and repairs to the hydraulic jacks halted all full retractions after 1995, and the roof stayed permanently closed after 2001. The first roof opening was during a July 4th, 1962 Carol Burnett show, to which she exclaimed, Ladies and gentlemen, I present the sky. Now, that is some great igloo trivia, the old home of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Thank you to whoever wrote that in. Oh, is that from Jay Bueller? Hey, Jay, what's going on? Oh, I think he says he got it from Wikipedia, which is always accurate. Every th- most things on the Internet are true, but especially Wikipedia for sure. Great to have Jack on the show. That'll be a fun game tomorrow. Malkin likely going to be back for the Penguins, and uh, we'll see if the Oilers can keep going after a pretty impressive performance against the Columbus Blue Jackets. We will call a quick timeout. It is 7-19. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. underway against Saskatoon at Rogers Place. Scoreless halfway through the first period. Oilers play tomorrow. Eskimos play tomorrow. We have both games here on 630 Chad. Big thanks to the uh, few of you on the text line who knew that Christopher Lambert and Sean Connery starred in the sci-fi classic Highlander released in 1986. Bobby Farring on the other side of the window tonight. Bobby, great to see you. Good to see you too, Reed. Congratulations on your Inside Sports Studio producing debut. You're doing a wonderful job. Oh, I thank you. Not too many errors yet. Are you familiar with the film Highlander? No. Quick synopsis. It's about a race of immortal warriors who can only be defeated by decapitation. Oh, okay. Came out in 1986 when I was growing up and it was considered a kid's movie. <laughs> Any nightmares from that? No, not really. Oh, well, that's good. No, it was. Pre- it's pretty kind of a feel-good film, actually. Oh, well, I'll have to check that out when I'm having a down day next time. There can be only one! Oh! If somebody ever says there can be only one, that is from Highlander. I say that every time on my horse, actually. That's my favorite one-liner, and now I know what it's from. What, what you were saying there can be only one? I love saying that. Because you heard other actually. people saying it? I, yeah, it caught on like wildfire with me. <laughs> All right, so now I want to know this story. So you're saying this while you're on your horse? Well, yeah, because, like, it's just kind of fun when you're, like, riding up to someone, you're, like, loping up. It's like, there could only be one Highlander. You know, people take you, like, a joke, but it's really fun. So are you really racing or are you just out riding your horse? Uh, well, I used to do, like, the show jumping and everything, so you get competitive with your friends and, you know, you up them with the one-liners, and Highlander was the one no one could ever beat. And your horse's name was Highlander? No, his name was Smoke. Oh, okay. Still kind of spooky. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad you were using the the catchphrase. And what about uh, what about 
I'll be back. Do you know what movie is that from? I know that is Schwarzenegger. Yes. Is that the same one where he's like, get to the chopper? Yeah, I believe get to the chopper is Predator. <laughs> well, I haven't I, I'm seen pretty it. sure that's Predator. Uh, I'll be back is Terminator 2. I haven't seen that. Oh, you should watch Terminator 2. It's really good. That's a good one. Is that another feel-good movie? Uh, yeah, well, it sort of has a happy ending. They, they avoided the nuclear war, if that's if that helps. That sounds optimistic. By the way, Terminator Dark Fate is now in theaters. I was, and nobody has texted me a review. Oh, actually, we had a guy call in yesterday. Said it was a fantastic movie. He recommends everyone at Chad go see it. <laughs> everyone at Chad. Yeah, I'm sure Bob Layton's going to see that. <laughs> He's there right now. I'm sure. <laughs> So why are the robots coming back in time? Why don't the humans just come back themselves? Just shows you about how lazy our society is getting. <laughs> his, his next editorial's gonna be on the uh, lazy humans of the future, sending back the Terminators to do their dirty work. That's, that's, that's the next Bob Layton piece. Anyway, this is Inside Sports. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are gonna uh, keep the fun going. Uh, I got to thank Eileen Bell in our news department for lining up this guest. His name is Giff Nielsen. He uh, was, was in Edmonton a couple days ago, so I talked to him then. We're going to get to the interview after the 7.30 news. He used to play quarterback for the Houston Oilers just before Warren Moon got there, and uh, then he went into broadcasting for a long time in uh, in Houston, so knows a, a ton about uh, the NFL from the broadcasting side and from the playing side. Great storyteller. You're going to love this interview. And we'll catch up with Lauren Weber, my buddy from the uh, Edmonton Seahawks, the blind hockey team. He's doing some more cool stuff this fall. That's all coming up. Devils and Flyers tied 3-3 with six and a half minutes left. With five minutes to go, the Capitals up 6-1 on the Sabres. After two, Carolina leads Detroit 5-3. Late second period, Columbus and St. Louis even at three. No score first period, Stars and Avalanche. Oil Kings up 2-0 on Saskatoon with a minute and a half left in the first period. Nine minutes left in the fourth quarter. Montreal leads Ottawa 28-24. Thank you to all the texters who have uh, pointed out that Schwarzenegger said, I'll be back in the first Terminator movie as well. So I really appreciate that. I do not want to get my movie facts wrong. Well, uh, here's something a little different, and I think you're going to think it's uh, pretty fun. This gentleman played quarterback for the Houston Oilers of the National Football League in the late 70s and early 80s. He was in Edmonton a couple of days ago, and I got to uh, talk to him. He'll tell you why. His name is Giff Nielsen. Giff, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Reed. How are you? I'm doing great. Awesome to have you on the show. Uh, before we dive into all the sports stuff, tell us uh, what brings you to our lovely city at this time of year. So I'm actually coming up here to uh, to Edmonton to meet with Premier Kinney and uh, work with him. Right now, I'm currently a, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, serving as a 70 in the church. Sometimes you have to dig just a little bit, but if you go to the New Testament in Luke chapter 10, those first three verses talk a little bit about the 70 and what the 70 do. And the premier has just been so kind and gracious to open up his 
schedule for us to come and visit for uh, just a little bit of time and, and try to help working together to make our communities just a little bit better and, and uh, brighter. He's a good man, and we're looking forward to spending some time with him. All right. Well, and this is not your uh, first connection to Edmonton, I guess, if I if I put it that way. You, you <laughs> played you played for the Houston Oilers, and uh, I guess, I don't know how should I put it, you were almost a teammate of Warren Moon, but you still got to know him pretty well. What's the connection and the story there? Well, first of all, let me say when you start to mention the Oilers, I feel right at home. So I feel like in Edmonton, I this is part of my home. Start talking about the Love You Blue days back in the, the late 70s when we had so much success and had such a great time. The Houston Oilers were at the top of uh, the football world. Other than we couldn't beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, and that was pretty tough. That steel curtain defense was was pretty tough to, to deal with. But at the very end of my career is when the Oilers hired uh, Hugh Campbell as the head coach and they signed Warren Moon to a big contract. And so I think I had Hugh Campbell as my head coach for just a couple of weeks or something like that before I retired and went into television. But I can tell you that those two were absolutely remarkable as they came to Houston after everything they accomplished, everything they accomplished here in Edmonton. What was the attitude in the locker room and maybe in the fan base too about like was there kind of that like what we're getting guys from the CFL and two important jobs in the franchise or was it well they've won in Canada maybe they're going to win here I'm, I'm, I'm just curious because you know I think that sometimes American fans don't have you know a complete knowledge of the CFL obviously and Houston's a long way from, from Edmonton so what was well, how were those two guys going to Houston perceived at the time? Well, before I answer that question, I will tell you, as soon as they signed them, everybody on the offense wanted to start in motion. They wanted to get a head start before every play. You never got to do that in the NFL. And we were thinking, what are we going to run here? What kind of an offense are we going to run? But it, it was it was a very questionable deal, to be honest with you. I know everybody knew the talent of Warren Moon. And what he was able to do with the football, I mean, the guy was so gifted throwing the ball, and they were winners. And you bring in Hugh Campbell, and you're thinking, okay, what kind of a, an offense are we going to run? Because this is the NFL. This is not the Canadian Football League. And so everybody was wondering what was going to happen. But one thing about Hugh Campbell and one thing about Warren Moon, they knew how to win. And so, you know, they – they were going to be able to adapt to the NFL. It was a huge step for Hugh Campbell to go from being a coaching candidate to being an NFL head coach. And, uh, you know, Warren, he was going to be able to adjust. I mean, he had such an amazing career at the University of Washington. He could throw the ball. And, and so it was going to happen. It just We just didn't know when it was going to happen, how long it was going to take. And, uh, you know, unfortunately for Hugh, he didn't last as long as Warren's career. But Warren just distinguished himself in the NFL. Didn't you get to do a TV show with Warren for a while? <laughs> yeah, we did quarterback corner. So after I retired, I went into television. I was the sports director at the CBS affiliate in Houston, KHOU. And, and the TV station management came to me and said, well, can't we get a few uh, uh, 
unique shows. And so I got, I approached Warren and I said, you know, I'm just out of football and I'm new sports director for, for this television station. You want to do a show together? And he said, yes. And so we actually did a, we actually did a show called quarterback corner. And we also did a, a little segment on Tuesdays where he would come on live and, and uh, talk about the, the previous game. So we did a lot of things together and became very, very close in our personal relationship and also professional relationship. And uh, so it was just enjoyable to watch him blossom as, uh, as a quarterback for the Houston Oilers. Former NFL quarterback, former Houston Oiler, Giff Nielsen, joining us tonight on Inside Sports. So you went from playing to, to broadcasting. Let me put one to you this way. What was the biggest advantage and biggest disadvantage to covering a team that you had played for? <laughs> hey, Reed, you're going to love this because as a player, we thought every time a sportscast, or excuse me, a sports reporter or a sportscaster asked us a question, it was the dumbest question we have ever heard. And then all of a sudden, you're the sportscaster and you're the sports reporter and you're just asking these questions. And I just kept thinking to myself, I wonder if they think this is the dumbest question they've ever heard. And so, <laughs> you know, yeah, you have to kind of learn the system and, and learn to deal with uh, the athletes and, and really understand um, what the athletes are going through. Well, that's one tremendous advantage that I had because I knew exactly what they were going through. I knew the game. I knew what they were thinking. I knew what uh, what plays were going to work and what plays didn't work. So I felt like I felt like I had a tremendous advantage going into my career. Although I had a, a lack of understanding and knowledge about how to put things together. I mean, you're a total professional, Reed. You've been doing this for a long time, and, and, and the people will listen to you because you know what you're talking about. You've seen a bunch of different things. I had to learn that, and it was, it was pretty painful at the start. In fact, I was told by the other television stations that they used to record my sportscast just so they could put it on blooper reels. And if anybody had a bad day, they'd just put my my sportscast on, and it would make everybody feel better. So it was a it was a learning process. I had no experience when I started, but it turned out to be an amazing experience. Twenty five years, uh, I I did the news in Houston, did the sports in Houston, and uh, and I I retired about twenty five years, almost to the day that I started. It was a tremendous career. That's amazing. That that, that is uh, that is awesome to hear, and I can tell how much uh, I, how much you enjoyed it for sure. Would you watch the NFL now? Do you think? Yeah, you know this is this is the league I I played in, and and this is happening, and this is happening. Or do you look at the game and go, Wow, this is uh, it, it, it's football. It's the NFL, but it's it's come a long way since I. I'm just curious because you know you know you know the X's and O's, and like you said, you know what players are thinking and feeling. Um, but games evolve. They they want offense. They want offense. They want offense. How, how do you, how do you compare your era to this era? Well, let me go back and just tell you because I hear a lot from my children and my grandchildren how great the game is today, and they've got their favorite players. We all have our favorite players, but I just think back of when I was playing. You know, we knew that we had to, in order to get to the Super Bowl, and that's what everybody's 
goal is if you're a player. We had to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, and you had to beat the Steel Curtain. And those guys were absolutely remarkable. When you walk up to the line of scrimmage and you're looking at Joe Green and Jack Lambert and Jack Ham and Elsie Greenwood and Mel Blunt, and if you win that game, then you got to go to Dallas and play against Harvey Martin and Randy White and Jethro Pugh and Tutal Jones, Cliff Harris, and Charlie Waters. I mean, I'm thinking those guys were so good, and they stayed together as a team. In today's game... You have players that move from team to team all the time. And so the continuity, it takes a while for that continuity to come together for them to really be a team. But back when I was playing, you stayed together for almost your entire career. And it seemed like the game back then was a little bit uh, more stable. It was, it was, you know, because of the, the continuity of players playing together and understanding how to how to run pass routes and, and how to block. Um, it, it was just a different game back then. But there's no question about the fact that the NFL is still very, very popular, and you've got some remarkable players, you've got remarkable teams, and with all of the players moving around to different teams, you still have a high-quality game, and that's why the NFL is so popular. I have a standard question gift that I ask all ex-players about their careers. Uh, get some get some pretty uh-huh. fun answers. I'm going to throw it to you. It is sort of a two-parter. Who's the best player you ever played with, and who's the best player you ever played against? Well, there's no question that the best player I ever played with was Earl Campbell. I have never seen a player run like Earl. In fact, I've never seen another player since Earl Campbell, run with the power, with the agility, with the, with the unique style that he ran the football with. I mean, he would run over you. He would run around you. He would pirouette. He was so strong and so powerful. You know, our coaches used to say, you know, carry out the fake. We said, no, we don't want to carry out the fake. We want to watch what happens. So we'd hand him the ball and say, hey, listen, we're coming to the left side, and good luck to you. He was that good. He was that powerful. And so he, I have to just say Earl. Earl and I came in together. We played our whole careers together. I retired. He continued on. He went over to New Orleans and followed our coach, Bum Phillips, when he went over to New Orleans. But those years with Earl Campbell when he was the MVP of the league were just, they were just magical. And just to watch it, to be a part of it was amazing. And then defensively, oh, my goodness, there were so many great defenses. I would have to probably say Jack Lambert, the middle linebacker for the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, that steel curtain defense. I mean, Joe Green was amazing. Jack Ham was so smart, so good. Mel Blunt, those guys were just remarkable. But I think probably Jack Lambert. You know, when you walk up to the line of scrimmage, and you're looking at the middle linebacker, and he's about two yards from you. He's got blood all over his uniform, and he smiles, and he doesn't have any teeth. You know you're in for a, a big game. <laughs> you're in for a battle. And so I would have to say probably Jack Lambert. 
That is a great image, man. Yeah, that's that's good for sure. Uh, Gif, it, incredible. Thanks for being so generous with your time. I, I, I got to throw one more at you. Um, we're you know we're about halfway through this NFL season. Man, the Patriots keep going. I mean, they're like allowing eight points a game or something like that. We've seen some. You know, you got exciting quarterbacks. I know Mahomes has been hurt, but he's exciting. Wilson, Rogers keeps going. I, I could go on and on. Um, I, you know, I, I always, don't forget the John, don't don't forget Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, right there. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a yeah. thrill to watch. I should have mentioned him. I got him on one of my fantasy football teams. Um, uh, I, I sometimes I hate when people he's put it, some points for you. <laughs> he's had a couple good weeks. He's producing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who who do you who do you like in each in each conference? Do you have two teams right now? You know, one from each side that y- you think are going to be there. And I, and I you know I know predictions are tough, but um, do you have kind of Super Bowl favorites out of each side right now? Well, I think if you look at um, you look at what Brady's doing, you know, it's just fascinating for all quarterbacks, ex quarterbacks, to watch Tom Brady because. One of the things that he does, and he does it with Josh Daniels, his offensive coordinator, you always find Tom Brady picking out the single receiver. And that's just school into his brain. He just knows how to read defenses, and they know how to make adjustments during the course of the game. And that was, that's what makes the Patriots so tough. And so if you really know football, you can't pick against New England because of Brady and the way they run their offense. But this year, um, their defense is so much better. And the defense, if they keep that defense playing at the level that they're playing and you've got Brady and you keep him healthy, I I mean, how do you pick against them? Um, And then you see what's happening with his protege. I mean, you look at what's happening with – uh, Jimmy out in San Francisco and the way they're playing right now, Kyle Shanahan's got that team playing at a high level. You know, you you say, okay, what about the 49ers? Could anybody stop the 49ers right now? You got this Nick Bosa guy that's playing like he's Superman. He, you know, he reminds me of, he reminds me of a very young J.J. Watt. You know, it's just a guy that just dominates on defense, has got huge hands, and is just just makes big plays and so with just his arm strength and with his with the strength he has in his hands he can just pull players down and he can actually change the course of the game so if you're looking at those teams i think you're probably in the in the right mix and then there's a host of others i mean can you believe what aaron Rodgers is doing yeah you know they just keep reloading in green bay He's, he continues to make throws that are just absolutely remarkable the one, the last one, where he hit uh, one of my little BYU Cougars, Jamal Williams, in the corner of the end zone as he was falling back. I, I, I thought he was throwing the ball away, and it just landed perfectly in the arms of Jamal Williams. So, you know, it's just you, you look around, and there's still some really talented players and some really talented teams. But can you pick against New England right now, and can you pick against San Francisco? I don't know if you can. Giff, this was an incredible conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us on Inside Sports. I I hope we can connect again someday. Thanks for your memories. Thanks for your thoughts on the current NFL. Absolutely a pleasure to talk to you. Hey, Reed, just know this. Thank you for all you do. And remember, I really like the Oilers.
There we go. That was a good one. Giff Nielsen, former Houston Oilers quarterback, former broadcaster in uh, Houston. Awesome stories there. This portion of the show presented by Furnace Family. Experience the Furnace Family difference. Your furnace replacement specialist with over 500 five-star reviews. Call them 7804-FAMILY. Back with Lauren Weber from the Edmonton Seahawks. Great to welcome back to the show, Lorne Weber, who plays goal for the Edmonton Seahawks, a blind hockey team in our city. Lorne, a pleasure to speak with you again. We're going to have to reconnect next week because I, I wish I had a little more time with you. Uh, but can you just summarize what is coming up for you? Because it's another pretty exciting opportunity. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Reed. Uh, so, yeah, we uh, uh, I got uh, named to the uh, first ever team Canada last year for blind hockey for the national team and uh, we're facing off against uh, Team USA for the second time we went down to Pittsburgh last October and uh, and um, uh, were uh, successful against them we, we beat them to uh, uh, three games to zero and uh, now we're doing the same we're going to uh, face off against them next week in Ottawa on uh, November 8th to the 10th all right, and uh, how did it go last year? Uh, it went really good, actually. It was it was kind of neat. We were uh, staying in um, just outside of Pittsburgh at the the Penguins practice arena there, so we got to see them practice for a bit. And um, this, uh, uh, you know, the the games went pretty good. It was really just an amazing. That was the the first international series, and we're going to do it again uh, next week. So, uh, so read. Um, some of your listeners probably never heard of blind hockey before, so um, I brought along a, a puck here. Just uh, th that's kind of the biggest difference for how blind hockey is played. And uh, so most of the skaters are partially sighted; they have very, you know low vision between five and ten percent vision. It's just the goalies like myself who are totally blind. And the way that we we do it is uh, through a, uh, a metal puck. It's a sheet metal puck with ball bearings in it, about five inches across, two inches thick, and it makes a huge racket that has ball bearings in it anywhere it is on the ice. Give it to us. And do you have one? I sure do. I can uh, do it now. Yeah, do it now, buddy. <laughs> so there sorry for blasting eardrums there, but. Uh, we uh, so that uh, is uh, you can hear that pretty much at anywhere on the ice that you're at, and it's a little bit larger, so the people uh, who can see a little bit can uh, can find it easier. And then I'm just sitting there in the net, uh, listening for it to come to me, and I got I just gotta get in front of it, kind of thing, right? Lauren, when you, you can, um, would you, would you get back, get in touch, because I I want to do more with you. I, I I'm sorry we got a little cut short today, but you're always a great guest, and let's talk more when you get back about how it went against the states and, and i know you want to plug blind hockey and how people can get involved too does that sound like a deal absolutely thank you so much thanks a lot that is lauren weber from the edmonton seahawks Lo love that guy we will get him on again I, w I wish we had more time for him tonight but we got to hand the reins to adler i'll talk to you at 9 30 tomorrow morning for the face-off show 6 30 chad inside sports with reed wilkins weekdays at six on 6 30 chad